two, uh, two passages of scripture for you to turn to this morning. Ephesians chapter 4 and Titus chapter 2. So you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, also flip over to Titus chapter 2 so you'll be ready when we get there. While you're turning there, I was, uh, I was reminded of a couple announcements that I did want to make this morning. Uh, one of them, uh, we have a new system that we're testing uh, for those who are uh, struggling to hear. If you're having if you're hearing impaired or you have difficulty with hearing, we have some headsets now that we're testing out and they seem to be working. And so uh, uh, Josh is wearing them back there and he's, he seems to be, you can hear me? Yeah, he seems to think they're working pretty good. So if, if that is you and you are interested and would like one of those, we have four sets of those. So uh, we'll be glad to help you with that. See Ray in the back and he can, he can take care of you. And then also, you know, uh, Linda mentioned this morning the fact that uh, uh, room space is one of our biggest problems right now, and uh, in, a, in a variety of ways, it's, it's our biggest problem in just about every part of the church you can go to now. We had men's prayer breakfast yesterday, and uh, I was watching Trudy and, uh, and Leona and Hallie struggling around in our little kitchen, and uh, they were, uh, they were appalled to notice the number of guys who were walking in the door. I, I, I yesterday morning, or a couple days ago, I had posted an uh, announcement on our website saying that uh, don't forget to come out to the men's prayer breakfast, and I idiotically lost my mind, and I posted that it was 8.30. It's, a, it's really 8 o'clock. So Phil immediately sent me a note back and says, is it 8 o'clock or is it 8.30? Oh, so I had to put out a correction. Well, here's Trudy dancing around in the kitchen trying to get ready yesterday. Guys are pouring through the door for uh, prayer breakfast, and I just looked at her and smiled and said, you know, this is only the first wave. The second wave that actually reads my announcements are showing up at 8.30. Well, we have, we have space problems, big space problems, but the reason I mention that is because we do have a plan that we're working through right now uh, for our facilities. We still have a few other little things to take care of uh, with this phase one. We're still working on our audiovisual system, finishing it up. Uh, we've got a new projector now that's going to replace this. Uh, we're working on the speakers and the sound. I know that there's been some problems with the sound, and we're working through that. So all that is taking place. But, uh, as you'll notice in your bullets, and there is a phase two, and uh, we don't have that totally defined yet. We're working through that. But that is a, an attempt to get more space, uh, whether that's another building, uh, multi-purpose building that we build somewhere here uh, on the massive amount of land that we have on which to put it, or, or we, don't, we haven't totally defined it yet, but we want you to be praying with us about that. And uh, it is a very real need that we get more space. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's start first of all with that passage and let's look at verse number 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject. This is the third in a little short series that we've done, uh, kind of explaining our children's ministries and what we're trying to do. And today's, today's subject or uh, uh, title of the sermon is, What Can We Do For You, Mom and Dad? What Can We Do For You? Mom and Dad. Verse number 11, he, gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. 
Turn over to Titus chapter 2, and let's just read a few verses from there as well. And we'll pray and get into the message. Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, have nothing evil to say of you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you will just touch our hearts right now with the truth of your word. We pray that you would fill me with your spirit. And we pray, Father, as we think through these practical thoughts this morning, that they'll be helpful. I pray, Lord, you'd protect my mouth. Help me not say anything I ought not to. Help me, Lord, to be kind and, and truthful and practical, accurate, according to your word. And I pray, Father, you would be our teacher. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for the last couple of weeks, as I mentioned, we have been trying to just talk a little bit about some of the changes that we've made here. And, and, and uh, as I've thought through these, these lessons, I, I've come to realize that it almost sounds like we're making huge changes, like, like some sea change has taken place here, and it really has, hasn't been that much. It's really been kind of small. But nonetheless, there was reasons behind it, and uh, we've been trying to explain that uh, in these few messages. Pastor Phil, a couple of weeks ago, mentioned the fact that there is a need. Uh, that there is a reason, a tremendous need for the church to re-examine its, its, uh, how it's reaching our youth. Because statistics are clear that uh, we're just not doing a very good job. The church as a whole is not doing a very good job, and kids are falling away from the faith. And so that was a couple of weeks ago. Last week we were reminded that the primary responsibility for reaching our children lies with the parents. Last week we were reminded that uh, Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Last week, we were reminded of the importance of bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I think one of the things that comes out of all these discussions that we've had in, in these, these few, uh, there's so much we could talk about from the Bible about rearing children and, and how to raise children for Christ. But one thing that comes out of it clearly, I think, is it's a daunting task. Would you agree with that? It's a daunting task. And I mentioned last week in the end of the message, it could have felt last week like we backed a dump truck up on the parents and just dumped it off. But today, I'm hoping that we'll do exactly the opposite. And today, I'm hoping that we'll encourage you. Encourage you dads, encourage you moms with the fact that you are not alone in this. Even though the responsibility rests with you, even though God has laid that charge upon the parents to raise their children for the glory of God, he has not left you without resource. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. He has given you the church to help. So what can we do for you, moms and dads? Let me suggest, I think, six things I have down here that the church could do to help you in this matter. Now, the first two are going to seem pretty obvious. The first two are going to be not really rocket science. But I think as we get a little deeper, you'll see there's some other things as well. First of all, how can we help you? Number one, the church can help you in this matter of raising children for Christ by providing an environment, an environment where your kids can learn about the worship of God. By providing an environment where your kids can learn about the worship 
of God. There is a valid reason why we've made some of the changes. It might seem like a hardship to some parents that now kids have to be in there. Although I have to say right now they're being very quiet. They're all sitting nice and still. Kids, I'm proud of you. You're doing good. Uh, but it might seem like a hardship for the kids to be in here for the, with the parents sometimes. But there's a reason. Where, I ask you, are children ever going to learn to worship the Lord in a corporate setting? If they're not in here. Where are they ever going to learn how to worship God? Do you suppose that they might learn it in their public schools? Do you suppose that they might learn it on the television? Or from the internet? I don't, I don't know where else they're going to learn it. In junior church, we give an opportunity to learn how to worship God together, but in a way that is tailored for their age group. We recognize that when they're very small, they need, uh, they need something a little bit more tailored to their age group. But when they reach a certain age, and, and we have now defined that as 10, it was 12 before. We've now defined it as 10. They're prepared. They need to come and worship with the adults in the worship service. That's why we're here. We're here on the Lord's Day to worship. This is not an entertainment venue. If it is, you guys have very low expectations. There's far better places to go and be entertained than here. I'm not very good at entertaining. And neither is anybody else here. That's not why we're here. We're here to worship the Lord. And the children need to learn that. And so, parents, if it is indeed your desire to raise champions for Christ, if it is indeed your desire to be a Deuteronomy chapter 6 parent, or a Psalm 78 parent, or a Proverbs 22, 6 parent, or an Ephesians, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, parent, then you need to teach them to worship the Lord. And that's one of the things that the church gives you an opportunity for, by giving, providing a place where they can learn to worship. The second is equally obvious. Another way that the church helps you is by giving opportunities for service. Opportunities for worship is one. Opportunities for a service is another. We talk about it all the time, don't we? We talk about the fact it's not about you. We talk about the fact that uh, it's important that we put feet to our faith. That our lips and our lives ought to match. That we ought to have purpose in our prayers. That our walk and our words should be the same. That we ought to practice what we preach. We talk about that all the time. And we teach our children that if they are believers, that should be the case in their life. It should show forth in their life. They should be living a life that is marked by good works. And we get that from passages like James chapter 2 that says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? And in that particular place, it's more accurately rendered, Can that kind of faith save him? A faith that is devoid of any outward works. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so we teach these things to our children. And we get it from passages like that. We get it from passages like where Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And so we teach them that they need to be demonstrating their faith via good works. They ought to be helping others, doing kind things for people. And the church provides opportunities for that. Now, there's all kinds of opportunities for that that you could probably think of. A couple that come to my mind on the first Saturday of every month. Your kids have the opportunity to go to the Haven of Rest and load up a plate of food and hand it to a homeless person. And they get to see and experience serving the Lord in a very real way not going to be long now before we're going to start stuffing shoeboxes again for our Operation Christmas Child. And when we do that, another opportunity for kids to serve. 
And so that's not rocket science, I know, but there are very real reasons. There are very real ways that I believe the local church is helpful to parents by providing opportunities for worship, by providing opportunities for service. But let's get into some that aren't quite so obvious because I think there are other ways, maybe even more important ways, that the church can help you, mom and dad. One of those ways would be by making and keeping you strong. By making and keeping you strong. I think it's perhaps one of the most important ways the church helps you is to feed you so you can then feed your children. Anybody like the uh, National Geographic Channel or the Discovery Channel? Anybody ever like these little animal shows where they'll show, you know, little animals, little mommy animals taking care of little baby animals? You like that kind of stuff? You ever notice what birds do? You ever seen the ones where birds, they go out and they get their food and they eat it and then they bring it back to their little babies and they regurgitate it up so the little you kids know what the word regurgitate means. They vomit it up so the little kids can, little babies can eat it. It's disgusting. Aren't you glad you weren't born a bird? <laughs> but the fact is mom needs to eat so that she can't feed. If you've ever been on an airplane, you've heard the flight attendants give the same speech. As a matter of fact, most people who go on airplanes with any regularity completely tune that out. Always cracks me up. They're all sitting there reading, and the poor flight attendants up there giving their spiel. But they're giving the spiel, and one of the things they always say is, when the oxygen masks drop, if you have children with you, put your mask on first, and then attend to the children. It does you no good to be gagging and dying and, and, and running out of air trying to help your child. You need to be healthy. You need to be fit. You need to be strong if you're going to help them. And so, I believe the church helps parents by making and keeping them strong. From time to time, people will ask me, what kind of a children's ministry do you have down there? Or what kind of a youth ministry do you have down there? And I always want to say the same thing to them. I always want to say, you're getting the cart before the horse. It's not a valid question. It's not a good question. I know people are looking for churches that have great youth programs, but the fact is the responsibility for youth lies with the parents, as we talked about the last couple of weeks. The church only helps in that. The fact is, a church that will build strong parents will build strong kids because they'll be helping the parents do their job. Too many people have it backwards. Look at what the scripture says. Our Ephesians passage in Ephesians chapter 4 there. It says in verse number 11 that God has provided gifted men and women to equip us. Verse number 12. To build us. Verse number 12. So that we will grow up. Verses 13 through 15. And so a key to having strong children is having strong parents. A key to having kids who grow up in Christ is to start with parents who are equipped and build up and growing up in Christ. Can't expect kids to be stable in their faith and not blown about by every wind of doctrine, as that passage says, if the parents are not. And so one of the primary, maybe the primary way the church helps parents is to help them to be strong in the faith themselves. Parents of teenagers worldwide can attest to the fact There's nothing like the experience of raising a teenager to help you to realize you need to keep growing. You need to keep learning. You need to keep getting strong. Because they will test you, test you, test you. And so the local church is like a gymnasium. The local church is like a place where you can come. There are people here who are your personal trainers, if you will, who will help you. If you know anything about that, we have a personal trainer in the back. If you know anything about that, you know, you know that one hour a week might be helpful. Would, would one hour a week be helpful? 
It doesn't really do much for you, does it? Uh, it's better than nothing, but you really need to do more than that. Don't let the church be like your, your uh, treadmill that sits in the corner of your room and uh, holds up your clothes. And don't ask me how I know about that. <laughs> don't let the church be that way. Church helps you, mom and dad, when you get and stay strong. So don't neglect. We had 23 men here at Prayer Breakfast yesterday. I think 23. Somebody said 21, so maybe I'm wrong. But I thought I counted 23, and I like my number better. So that's what I'm sticking with. We had 23 men here at Prayer Breakfast yesterday. You know what they were doing? They were pumping spiritual iron. They're getting strong for the Lord. There's all kinds of things that we have at this church that are like that that will help you, Dad. The ladies' ministries, we have even more for the ladies. We have more for the ladies than for anything. And it kind of makes me mad that we do. It makes me jealous, but... We have great things for the ladies here. And they too can pump some spiritual iron. And so if you want to build strong children for Christ, you need to be strong parents. And that's one way the church can help you. Another way is by giving you understanding. By giving you understanding. You know, and I know this will not be the slightest bit of a surprise to you if you have kids. But your kids are bombarded with information that is contradictory to the truth. You know that, right? And you also know that was a very nice way of my saying, your kids are bombarded with bald-faced lies. You know that. Some of those lies they're going to learn in their public schools. Teachers, individuals to whom they look up to as examples will lie to them. And I have to be so careful because we have teachers here. We have one right sitting right there who's staring at me now. Uh, there are some godly teachers in our public schools who stand in the gap. Praise the Lord for them. But they're the minority. They're the minority. And our kids are going to be bombarded by the other influence. It's a loud voice against which parents must stand every day. Parents are bombarded with lies. Some of those lies are going to learn on television. And I know that you folks probably think that I don't even own a television because I preach against it every once in a while. The fact is I do own a television and I watch it far too much. The fact is we need to recognize the power that the television has for evil in our day. I am 54 years old. You know what shows were on when I was a kid and I used to watch them? My mother could have set me in front of the television and walked away and not feared anything because I would have seen things like Gunsmoke. I would have seen things like The Rifleman, which was my favorite show of all time, by the way. <laughs> Chuck Connors, The Rifleman. Uh, we would have seen things like Leave it to Beaver. We would have seen things like uh, The Andy Griffith Show. You know, you can set a kid in front of that and not have to fear the slightest bit that that kid was going to be indoctrinated with wickedness. There was nothing like that in there. There was no immorality that was being pushed. No agenda from an evil world that was being pushed. But that's not the case now. You walk away and leave your kid in front of a television set today, and here's what they're going to be taught. They're going to be bombarded with the fact Christians are idiots. That's one of the things they're going to learn. Homosexuality is a perfectly normal and acceptable lifestyle amongst loving people. That's what they're going to be taught. Immorality is perfectly fine. As a matter of fact, there's no such thing as immorality. Sex outside of marriage is perfectly okay, and as a matter of fact, only a fool would not participate in it. That's the kind of stuff that's going to be not just accidentally tossed out there, it's going to be crammed down their throats. And so we have to recognize, our kids are bombarded with it. Do we even need to talk about the internet? I make my living on the internet. I'm not against the internet, but boy, do we have to be careful. Our kids, for literally hours of every day, are indoctrinated with the enemy's lies. And it's important to understand what I just said there. It's the enemy's lies. It's not the public school that's at fault. We can't blame television. And we can't blame Hollywood. Because that's really not what the issue is. The issue is, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against, against evil in high places. We wrestle against a very real enemy, our enemy, our adversary, the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion seeking to devour us and to devour our kids. It's a spiritual so whether it's from our schools, from their worldly friends, from the influences of media, from television, from internet, our kids are bombarded with the enemy's doctrine hours every day, multiple hours every week, hundreds of hours every month. Our kids are drinking from a fire hose of the devil's doctrine. And there you stand, mom and dad, holding up your little sword. I believe the local church. I believe the church can help. And it might seem, I don't know what it seems, but I, I believe that's what the Bible teaches here, that the local church can help by giving you understanding, by helping you to know the truths of the word of God so that when your kids come and they're presented with all that stuff and they lay it out in front of you, you have an answer to give them. When your kids come home from public school and they say, you know, my teacher said that uh, the world was created. And, and some guy named Darwin, some really smart guy named Darwin, he taught this, that the world, uh, you know, it evolved over a period of millions and millions and millions of years. My Sunday school teacher said that Genesis 1-1, uh, you know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but my teacher said, how are you going to answer? Do you as a parent understand the Bible well enough to be able to answer those kinds of things when they come. When your kids come home and they tell you that your teacher was talking about some atheist guy named Richard Dawkins and his wonderful book, The God Delusion, and how he said in there that, that, that religion has been the most dangerous thing that's ever happened in, a wor in the world and it is the cause of more death and destruction and mayhem and terror than anything that's ever been. What are you going to say? Do you have the understanding of the Word of God to be able to answer when your kids argue that homosexuality is a perfectly normal choice between loving people, can you explain the Bible? When they point out that their teachers say there is no God, then when we die, we just die. There is nothing else. Can you answer them? Verse 11 of our text reminds us that people gave some gifted individuals, that God gave some gifted individuals to the local church so that we might be built up in our faith, so that we might be equipped Knowledge, understanding. That's one of the things the church can do for you, mom and dad, is they can help you with that. Another, I think just two more and we're done. Another way the church can help you is provi by providing a pool of people. By providing a pool of people. We want things for our kids, don't we? There's a lot of things we want for our kids. One of the things we want for them is that they'll grow up and, and if God leads them to a mate, it will be a godly mate. If God leads them to it, it will be a godly mate. It will be someone who is in the faith. It's someone who can uh, live alongside of them. Together they can pass on the truths of the faith to the next generation. We want that, don't we? We want that for our kids. If we have a son, we want them to find a wife that loves the Lord. If we have a daughter, we want them to find a husband that loves the Lord in the faith. Now, it's important to recognize that it's not God's will that everybody find that. There is a gift of singleness. We talked about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and you can go back and look at the audio there, listen to the audio if you want to hear that. But if it is God's will they marry, it's God's will that they marry in the faith, right? Amen. Uh, 
I don't get that from Ephesians chapter 4. I get that from other places. Like 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Few things will introduce heartache into the lives of parents quite like their children. Growing up in the faith only to reach the teenage years. Begin dating someone outside the faith. Even worse, eventually marrying someone outside the faith. No amount of rationalization will change the fact that if the Bible be true, oh, and you know me well enough to know that I'm going to say it is true, right? The Bible is true. And no amount of rationalization can change the fact that that choice is sinful for our child. And it will bring a boatload of pain for them and for us. Let me talk to the kids for just a minute. Kids, listen to me. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't go off and date somebody, not even once, outside of the faith. I know how it gets rationalized. I was a kid once. Do you believe that? It's hard to imagine. I was. I was a teenage boy once. I actually went on dates. I probably, to my shame, probably dated some people outside of the faith. I shouldn't have. Here's what you'll do. You'll rationalize that you're just going to have a little fun. That this is nothing serious. You'll think to yourself, it doesn't really matter. Because I'm not ever going to allow this thing to go anyplace. And then you'll look into her eyes. And she'll look into yours. And before you know it, you'll be in love. And it will be too late. These things are bigger than you. These things are bigger than any of us. Don't do it. Just don't go there. It might seem trivial now, it might seem inconsequential now, but then, 30 years later down the road, when you're looking back on a lifetime of praying for that mate that they might be saved, you're going to recognize that it's something you ought not to have done. See, the Bible's clear about it. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Or as another translation clarifies it, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So how does the church help in this matter? Very simple. By providing a pool of people from which our young folks can choose. Where are you going to find somebody in the faith? More than you're going to find in the church. That's where they ought to be. That's why it's so important that we support our youth program. That's why it's so important that parents encourage their kids to be in church. They're not going to find Christian mates. Maybe, maybe the stars will align and they'll find them someplace else. But if they're not looking in church... They're passing up 99.999% of the pool. So provide by providing a pool of people. And then the last thing, and with this I'm done. How can we help you, Mom and Dad? Well, we can help by providing models. Models. At the start of the passage of, of the message this morning, we read two passages. We read Ephesians 4 and we read Titus chapter 2. It's in Titus chapter 2 that we learn that the old men are supposed to be models of behavior for the young men. And the older women are supposed to be models of behavior, examples for the younger girls. It's in Titus chapter 2 that Paul admonishes Timothy to set himself up as a pattern, an example, and a model of Christian behavior. If you want your children to grow up to be strong Christian role models themselves, they need to have role models now while they're young. And where else are they going to find them more than they're going to find them in the local church? They're going to find them good examples. They're also going to find bad examples. And I, I believe our kids need them both. I believe our kids need to see both. 
Nothing will do more to ensure your children avoid an unequal yoke in marriage than watching those who pray about it every single time prayer requests are given. In your local church, your children will see examples of good and godly Christians. They'll see and learn from some who stay the course into old age. They'll see some who, right up to the day they die, live for the Lord. They'll also see some who play at it. They'll also see some who aren't serious. And they'll learn from all of them. All of them. In the local church, your kids will see people struggle with sin. They'll see people who deal with addictions. They'll see people who struggle with poverty and pain. The troubles and trials of this life. They'll see people who put their Christianity to the test in the crucible of cancer. They'll see people going through all the realities of life. And they'll learn through those examples whether or not Christianity really works when the rubber hits the road. They'll learn from them all. Some people say that there are too many hypocrites in church and that's why they don't attend. And of course they betray their own hypocrisy when they say it. The fact is we need hypocrites. Our kids need to see hypocrites. They need to learn in the bright white reality of people's lives, people's example, what's the difference between real and false. They see that in the local church. The psalmist said, I have been young and now I'm old. I don't know if I'm actually old yet, although I feel older every day. But I will say this, I've experienced a lot of years walking with my Lord. And in those years, I've seen some wonderful saints of God. I've, I've met some people that have just influenced me in so many ways. People like Paul McCoy, told you about him once. Or Charlie Sprouse, I probably mentioned him a couple times too. You remember the story of Paul McCoy, don't you? Elderly gentleman who used to teach Sunday school in this place when I was a little kid. I still remember him. There was pews there then. I still remember him right there teaching Sunday school. And I also have never forgotten the story of how he served the Lord right up until he died. That he actually died in this place serving the Lord and mowing the lawn, dropped dead serving the Lord. And I've often thought, if there is ever an example of how I want to die, it's going to be the way Paul McCoy did. I learned I learned from his example. And I probably told you about Charlie Sprouse, too. Charlie, I knew in his old age also. I met him when he was already probably 80 when I met him. And I ended up preaching his funeral. Uh, this was in southern Ohio, in our church down in southern Ohio. He's a, he was an older man at the time, but he, and he had been saved late in life from a very rough life. Charlie had been a moonshiner, and he had all kinds of stories about running from the revenuers. Uh, in, in years past, he he'd been a, he raised roosters for fighting cockfighting, which was of course illegal, and he had done all those kinds of things. He had lived really a life of debauchery, but later in his life, he had come to know the Lord. And you know, Charlie would tell everybody with a huge smile on his face how much Jesus had saved him, and how Jesus could save anybody. If Jesus could save an old moonshiner like me, he could save anybody. I've seen many models of Christianity in my years as a Christian. But I've also seen many examples on the other end of the spectrum too. As I look back in the rearview mirror and I look at the road behind me, I can often see the road is sometimes littered with those who started and didn't finish, or those who failed, or those who, for whatever reason, are no longer with us. Wasn't it John who said they went out from us, but they were not of us? The fact is our kids need to see these things. Our kids need to see successful believers. They need to see 
that there are those who stay by the stuff until the last second. They have to see it. They also need to see that there are those who fall away. We learn from all of them. And as our kids sit in church and hear the word, they're comparing what they hear from scripture to what they see in their lives and they're learning. They're learning. They need models to follow. Where else are they going to find them? If it's not here. Well, I'm done. The last three weeks have been meant to give some, some context to why we've made some changes in our junior church's Sunday school program. I hope and I pray that there's been some help, some clarification as we've talked through these things. And I pray that you, Dad, and you, Mom, are reminded of your responsibility, your responsibility to raise your charges, your kids, your sons, your daughters, for the glory of God. And I hope also and pray also that all of us in this church recognize the vital role we play. We come alongside, we assist, we equip, we help in that entire process. So may God give us children who will carry the banner of the kingdom into the next generation. May God use you, Dad. May God use you, Mom. May God use you, church, to help in that.